Hops, the lighting Plaid Hops. Take the attack, yeah, and we'll back you Plaid Hops. You're flying right now, so let's wrap it up. Let's go, you Hops. Move on. Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DMelt57. Got two line mates back with me again this week for another edition as we're starting to t- work our way through the preseason and the regular season is going to be here before we know it. It's already October. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Milligan is not with us this week as he was unavailable. So we're introducing first the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text, Betsy. Hi, I just spent all day at a park watching high school baseball. It was the most fun thing ever. It was perfect. Perfect that Sunday. And not a single note of uh, sarcasm detected in there either. No, you couldn't hear anything. It was pure, genuine joy in my voice. Yeah, um, baseball was canceled for me in roughly about May, thanks to the White Sox. And uh, football's been canceled, too, now, so we can just move right on to hockey season. It's great. I mean, I'd prefer that anyway. Those yeah. other sports are boring. But football's not done in my household because Georgia's still doing stuff. They're still Yeah, they're still, they're still doing they, – they tried They tried to do some bad stuff this on Saturday. Oh, I, I saw I know. a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I could hear my mom yelling from downstairs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun. Also with us this evening, and I, I have the introduction correct this week, it is the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent, Eric Gagenheimer. Boom, thank you. Not to bring the house down uh, on the subject of baseball, I have to say RIP to my man, Tim Wakefield. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, that's such a bummer, such like an awesome kind of crazy baseball personality. So, you know, big ups to, to Tim Wakefield. Yeah, uh, uh, everything, all the stories and everything that came out about him were cool. And just, I, I feel like I, Tim Wakefield in bed right now, A, just because he seemed like such a cool dude. And also, I would love to see a dude just uh, chucking knuckleballs now when every pitcher seems to be hitting triple digits on the regular now. I think it would be just a fun counter to have that, to be, to be facing that kind of heat. And then the next game, you have to face a knuckleballer. That'd be fun. We he pitched more. until he was 44. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and that was a guy that I believe he was cut. I think he was cut by the pirates and then the Red Sox picked him up and he became like one of the winningest pitchers in the history of one of the oldest baseball franchises. So and just like a awesome story. Awesome guy. Was that the year or was it earlier in his career when they had to reacquire Jason Veritek because nobody else could catch the knuckleball? I don't. I, I don't think it was when they first got him. It might okay. have been later on. Yeah, when he was still a predominant starter for okay. them. That's right. Yeah, and uh, fuck Kurt Schilling for breaking that news when uh, Tim uh, when Tim Wakefield and his family didn't want him to. Um, so there's that too. Yeah, fuck Kurt Schilling <laughs> for like a million reasons, but yeah. especially but for that. That's yeah, the absolutely. most recent one. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, uh, let's let's get to the the reason we've all gathered here on this Sunday evening uh, to talk a little bit of hockey. The Blackhawks just finished another preseason game. Uh, they lost 6-1 to to the Red Wings. There's not really much to talk about from that game. It wasn't great, although there's a few little nuggets in there we'll get to in a bit. They also beat – they lost to the Wild 3-2 to in overtime on Saturday night. And then the other preseason game was also an overtime affair. 
two to one. It was two to one, right? Against the St. Louis blues on Thursday night at the United center. So, um, we, there's not a ton of meat here from uh, from these first three games. I think the more interesting stuff has just been what's been happening at practice and 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 the way the the Ford and Ford lines and deep pairings seem to be projecting. So I think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about. But uh, I'll swing it over to Betsy first. Anything stood out to you about the first week and a half or so of the Blackhawks preseason here? I think it's cool that the best players on the ice have mostly been the young players. Yes. Um, Reichel has looked great in both games. Bedard has obviously looked good. I think a lot of offensively, I think Korchinski looked good. He's kind of been a little iffy defensively. I'll give him that. But like uh, Hayes had his moments. Doc had his moments. Uh, Soderblom looked the best in net of all the um, goalies. Drew Camesso looked okay. I think he looked pretty calm. Um, he didn't face a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Stalbert looked not great today. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, but... <laughs> didn't, didn't have much help. Uh, a lot, a lot of bad turnovers and bad spots. But yeah, yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad for that. I, I think it's. I know this preseason, but I think it's good for people. The fact that the Blackhawks have lost these last two, just to remember that, just because they got Bedard and we have some good kids coming in, doesn't mean the Blackhawks are going to be good. <laughs> so it's like a little bit of reality for anybody. Yeah. Like, oh, they might do something. It's like, maybe lower your expectations a a little bit. Because there were some people that were like, oh, well, maybe they could do something. It's like, no. Interesting is the word. Yeah. And and I think we'll we'll get to the, I I don't know if season predictions is the word, because I don't think we really, I've never been a big fan of predictions, but I think uh, just kind of an idea of what's what could happen in like the ceiling for this team. It's, it's pretty low. It's a very low ceiling from, from this team. So I wouldn't expect much, but they will oh. certainly be more watchable than last year. Again, low bar to clear, but we'll take it. Um, and Kaiser has <laughs> like, people keep, we're hyping him up. Uh, everybody's hyping him up but for good reason. Um, yeah. I think he's easily been the best looking defenseman, um, all around. Like, best most well-rounded defenseman yeah yeah i'm trying to i i don't want to get too hyperbolic with my the wyatt kaiser hype train but there's it feels like there's something there so something real good there so we'll we'll see where it goes yeah i don't necessarily want them to i know they're gonna play him probably on the top here if he makes the thing but maybe that'll be the way that they did like he'll play less minutes but he'll technically be mostly paired with seth jones um Cause I don't, I don't want him to, I don't want them to throw him in the deep end, but I also have liked what I've seen so far. Yeah. And I think he played like up near 25 minutes against Detroit on Sunday night, but that was um, like it, that defense core was entirely the kids. There were no, I don't think a single, well, Zaitsev was there, but that was about it. And Zaitsev, which is uh, he's just kind of there. So yeah. uh, Eric, what about you? Any, any early preseason thoughts from uh, the games or scrimmages or anything of that nature? Uh, I have two. Um, the first one is involving a player that I really like, which is Ethan Del Mastro. Um, he was essentially on the third pairing last night, but he ended up playing the second most minutes of any defenseman and he got a lot of power play time, which I thought was interesting. And, um, you know, we've seen him uh, a little bit at practice join in the rush and have a little bit like sneaky, better of a shot than you might think, especially for such like a guy whose build is being big and strong and tough, which he absolutely is those things. 
Um, so I think there maybe there's a little bit more untapped potential there, or maybe they're going to give him a little bit more opportunity uh, to kind of prove what he's got going on under the hood in that regard. So I think that that's cool. And then there was one other thing that kind of jumped out to me, which was um, after the game against St. Louis the other night um, during Richardson's press conference. And he pretty much, he was pretty positive about everyone he talked about, but he had some comments about Reichel that kind of stuck out a little bit to me. And I have it in front of me. Um, he said, I think he has to work on his face-offs a little bit. He has to get stronger in there, a little bit more bulldogish, get low. Guys like Reese Johnson did a great job in the circle. He has to get down there and learn from that and practice with those guys. It's important as an offensive line to put them out there for ozone face-offs and icing and stuff. He really needs to work on that part of his game. That was just in the overall press conference. That was the only thing that kind of stood out to me as a negative a little bit of a knock on a player. Um, so just something to kind of keep in mind and pay attention to going forward as you know, they're going to give Reichel some rope to see if he can really run with the second line center. Um, I was just, it, that was curious to me, you know, that he would kind of be that critical um, in an early game. So it seems like maybe he doesn't have a super long leash. I don't know, but that was just something that stood out to me. Cause I think, I think there was either the next, there was one point where during the press conference, um, one day he, at the press conference, he said, or maybe it was all in the same press conference. My memory's a little fuzzy here, but, uh, like Richardson said something that could be perceived as critical of Reichel. But then later on he said, Oh, but like he, he was really, he played really well. It was just that, that one specific thing was something that we noticed that we want him to work on. And I think it was that, that you were talking about right there. So I'm not, I think it's interesting that they would be more critical of him in that sense because I think that is a sign that of uh, high expectations for him that they're expecting him to be be the be one of the guys this season on the team, which hopefully you want him to be. But um, I, yeah, I think that was also a very interesting moment uh, from the last week. Well, especially in that game, um, the Thursday night game, you know, Korczynski had a couple pretty bad errors. He got a lot stronger as the game went on. He looked smoother, but he didn't really call Korshinsky out at all. He was nothing but positive about him. So the fact that just that was kind of the only negative comments I took from the whole conference, at least that Thursday night one. So to me, that's why it was kind of a little bit more interesting than some of the other things he had to say. I don't think Richardson sees him as a, like, I think that the higher up org probably wants Reichel to work as a center. But I think a lot of coaches look at kids that are like him who they're not the most physical and their strengths are probably better on wing anyway. And they're not great in the dot because Reichel's like iffy there and has been all through his career. Like that's not a strong suit in Rockford. And even when he was in uh, Germany, his wingers took a lot of faceoffs. Um it's not a strength of his and the Blackhawks have already tried to force players of his mold, uh, Tervin and Schmaltz into a center role and neither one of them did well there. So I just, I don't mind if Richards, if Richardson decides eventually that like, Hey, he probably is better at wing. I don't actually think that's a knock on Reichel. That's what he was drafted as. That's what he played <laughs> his entire career before the last three years. Um, and it's great to learn as a center, but I don't know if that's where he's going to end up. So if he ends up not being a center, that's not a big deal to me. 
Yeah, it's it's like that's not a deal breaker for his career. He could still be a very good top six wing. Yeah, I don't. I just I hope that fans won't get upset about it because there's a lot of people who were like, "Well, he's a center," and it's like, uh, is he, or is he like a Patrick Kane winger who controls like a center from the wing? It's probably the latter. Well, and they have time. You know, why wouldn't you do it right now? Nazer is not here. Moore's not here. You know, yeah. and neither yeah. one of them would be here. The earliest they'd be here is at the very end of the season, anyway. If they came up at all this year, so why wouldn't you give him every opportunity yeah. to do that? Give him the runway. And, Let him try to learn. It's the best way to do it. Um, yeah, this, this, like Richardson's like, comments in the past make it sound like he's not sold on it. Okay. That that yeah, that'll be an interesting to watch once the season gets here. Like, and that's this season, um, this season and the next uh, one or two after that is definitely the time for for trying trying some shit. Like maybe try guys in in a position where they could work. And and as you both said, like there are there are other prospects who could come up down the road and be the be the number two center for the next ten years. It'd be really cool if Reichel walked into that role and handled it, and then the Hawks had Bedard and Reichel for the next decade at least. But you know the the cool things that they have options. It's much that's much better situation to be in than yep. uh, than where they've been for the last five years or whatever. Um, I feel like we have to quickly do a a Connor Bedard segment because we're just gonna have to talk about Connor Bedard every time we can. Um, I think the the one thing that happened in the game tonight that I think a lot of people will uh, it, it'll be made a big deal out of that in, in the third period of a preseason game, they were down six to one on the power play with like a minute and a half left and Bedard turned the puck over and busted his ass back and made like a diving poke check to break up the play. And just like a little thing like that, I think is indicative of, um, I think like we're all aware of the offensive skills. I think everybody is, everyone knows what he can do in offense, but it's fun seeing other glimpses of other parts of his game that are just as good. And, and Eric is, was with me when we were uh, in the locker room Thursday night, all, all the several players. And I think Richardson as well, all talked about Bedard's defense and how impressed they were with his defensive play, which I don't think any of us viewed him as a one trick pony, but it was, it's very nice to hear that already about a guy who's supposed to be like one of the best offensive talents ever. It's the, like the nose for the puck, you know, yeah. he, he wants the puck all the time. And in that St. Louis game, the game on Thursday, he poked it, he picked it straight off of Pareko and he almost had a breakaway. It got, you know, like it rolled on him at the last second, but that was all just pure, like reading the play and instinct. And I think he's going to be, really dangerous in that regard, especially, you know, the more he gets used to the speed and he gets used to the point where it's just instinct, he's going to be all over the place, you know, in, in a way that maybe we haven't seen someone since, you know, like younger Jonathan Taves. So <laughs> like, it's just, it's awesome. Cause you know, you know about the shot, you know about the scoring, you know about the other things, but I think maybe everybody's kind of slept on like what a good all around overall player he's going to wind up being. And I think there was also a little bit of a window into like the psyche and the mentality of him because on Tuesday they had the inter-squad scrimmage at practice. And I think it was Felino and a few other players mentioned that after it was over, Bedard was kind of sulking because his team lost. And that's like that's how how serious and how competitive he is. It sounds ridiculous, but that's like 
I feel like that's the the thing that will get mentioned in the Bedard documentary in 15 years is like, yeah, in his rookie year at a preseason scrimmage, he he lost six to three or whatever the score was, and he couldn't get over the loss because that's how competitive he is. Which like I say it with a little bit of a joke, and like it's a like it's a preseason scrimmage, and who cares? But the fact that he cares is why he is the way he is. He stayed on the ice. After one of the practice, they were there were people who were like, he's still on the ice an hour afterwards yes. practicing his shot. And you're like, sir, you do not need to practice your shot. <laughs> you can probably yeah. take a rest. <laughs> but, no, but, but you he, you he, but he see came, there's like he, he's incapable of it. Go ahead, Eric. No, you hear stuff about like Kobe Bryant practicing at 6 a.m. And there's things like I think that that's part of it when you're talking about these athletes that are like the top, 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 top in the entire world at what they do is it's not just that they're, you know, they've been given God given talents. It's like the work ethic that's part of it too. And that was all the stories you hear about him, you know, like taking his hockey equipment to Hawaii with his family when he was 12 years old. That was the only way he'd go on vacation with them is if they let him bring his rollerblades and his hockey sticks and he gets off the airplane and everybody's looking at his luggage. Like, what is that? And he's like hockey sticks. And everyone in Hawaii is like, we've never seen hockey sticks before. No one's ever brought them to Hawaii or all the stuff about, you know, he broke his right wrist. And so he was outside in his backyard for hours shooting with his left hand, shooting one handed. Like that's, that is this kid. That's what he's made from. And like, we're going to get to see, you know, the next evolution of that over the next few years as he becomes the player he ultimately is going to be. And it's, it's going to be nuts. Like it's going to be insane. I, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know if we can accurately depict or forecast what it's going to be like. Cause it's just, it's, it's not anything we've really seen before. Like it's, and, and I, and I feel like every time, I talk about him or write about him and what he's going to be. It sounds like hysterical and, and just like going hyperbolic to an unnecessary degree, but also like that also feels appropriate for this situation. It's, it's crazy. Well, and we're getting now that he's been in, you know, some bigger, you know, actual games with actual NHA players that are televised I'm seeing like other hockey writers and other fan bases that are seeing, you know, just little highlights of things that he's, he's done. And it makes it feel like the way that we're reacting is completely appropriate because other people are reacting that way too. It's just, you know, we get to rub our hands and be excited about it as opposed yeah. to, you know, anybody when, when you have to play McDavid or Crosby where you're just like, okay, if you hold him to two or three points, like that's, that's probably a pretty good defensive effort against a guy like that. Yeah. Betsy, did you have any other Bedard thoughts before uh, I, we move on? Uh, just that I'm excited to see who he actually plays with long term because they brought in Taylor Hall for him, and I think they'll be fine. But that other side, uh, I know it was only one game, but not Donato did not look like he could keep up. I'm not sure Tyler yeah. can keep up because um, he's just not as fast as he used to be. And then the minute they put Kershev up there, um, either time they looked they looked great you know like i i think uh, uh i think when they went out for the draw and i think eric said kershev's out with bedard and hall and then 15 seconds later kershev scored yeah <laughs> so it was it's annoying you know do you remember when they would put 
like bums on the line with Patrick Kane and then they would miss perfectly beautiful passes and you'd be like, yes. why are they doing that? And then Patrick Kane would adapt himself to his slow ass line mates. But only after he had been with, like he learned to do that a little, like not immediately in the NHL. So I did not want them to do that to Bedard. I want them to put good ish players with Bedard so he can play at his speed and doesn't have to learn to adapt to bums. And I know there's a lot of bum, gonna be a lot of bums <laughs> on this team, but there aren't not all of them are there. So uh, I'm hopeful they'll figure it out. Like that's yeah, gonna, the, go ahead, Eric. No, I was going to say at the scrimmage last week, the one Dave was talking about, there was like two that he set Donato up that should have been just like happens. And yeah. one of them, Soderblom flew across and made an insane save. But the other one, Donato totally biffed it. And it was like he was not even ready for the pass. Where it was like, wait, how did this get on my stick all of a sudden? Like, And he just shanked it right off the side of the post. So there's definitely going to be like a learning curve like that where people are going to have to learn how to play with him or he's going to have to learn how to slow it down a little bit for whoever his line mates are. Well, I, I, I would prefer them not to force him to do that because at least when Kane came into the – it was Kane and, and Taves were on a line together with uh, Sharp mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they moved around people and like – um, Lad was there during the runs and all that kind of stuff, but not just Lad. Um, what's the dude I'm blanking on? He went to the Caps. Why am I blanking? Martin Havlat? No. Uh, he Troy Brower. It was yeah, Kane and Brower. There. Brower who, by the way, there. Who, yeah. who, by the way, was at the game Thursday night. Uh, oh. we, yeah. I think he works for St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, that actually makes sense. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there was like more talent than like I don't dislike Donato, but he's a third liner at best at this point. Like that's just a fact. So I don't really appreciate putting him yeah. on the top line. Yeah, it, it's like I, you know, I understand the principle of wanting to give like it's it's probably more likely that a veteran would click with Bedard than like a guy new at the NHL. Um, because like the, the huh, but not a bad vet. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I feel like Donato would have had a. 50 or 60 point season at this point in career. If he was that type of player, he probably isn't going to do that all of a sudden, unless he's on a line with Bedard and just racks up secondary assists all, all season. But um, it's just, I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating things to watch this season. And in the next few, it may not happen this season, but eventually like they have to find someone who can keep up with him. And uh, that's, it's not even like even Taylor Hall might have a, a struggle to do that for a while uh, just because, uh, it's, it's such a high, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the highest, uh, highest course level of hockey you can take to be playing with him. And it's not something everyone can do. And you see that kind of in some other cities with some other superstars too. Like, you know, it, it, it takes a while to gel. And so if there is a long-term, you know, line mate of his, that's in the organization already, like it's probably not one of those two guys. It's probably either, you know, somebody who has yet to be up or maybe somebody who hasn't even been drafted yet, but we'll see. Or when they sign uh, Connor McDavid as a free agent in 2026 or whatever his current is. Is that the, is that the new Matthews for the Blackhawks? No, no, that, that's something that I'm just going to say, because I I think I tweeted that in the middle of last season that it would be hilarious if the Hawks got Bedard this summer. And then when McDavid hit free agency, he ended up signing in Chicago. That would just be. Uh, but well, we can worry about that in three years when that when that free agency period hits. 
I think the other, the, the main thing, and we, we talked about it a little bit. I think the, the very early signs from training camp and, uh, the, the preseason games and the scrimmages as well is that it really looks like Kevin, like, well, we talked about Wyatt Kaiser. He definitely seems like he's going to be here, uh, for the season and is going to be getting a lot of run, uh, in, on the blue line. And it certainly feels like Kevin Korchinski at a very minimum is going to break camp and get those first nine games with the Blackhawks. And beyond that, we'll see what happens. Um, and, and I, I get, I, I think I've been uh, very vocal about being on the Korchinski bandwagon a little bit. I'm very intrigued to see what he does. Um, Betsy, I don't know if you had similar thoughts on Korchinski. We touched about him a little bit that he had some defensive miscues, but there, there's still something there on the offensive side of the ice for sure. Uh, I think he should go back to juniors. <laughs> oh, I'm, I know that breaks here your we, heart, here, but like, here we my, go. my whole thing was if he had a stellar training camp, you know, prospect camp tra- training cramp, and then he looked great all through the preseason. I don't care if there's a couple of mistakes, but he has to look like one of the best. Right. And I mm-hmm. think he hasn't done that so far through however many games he's played. Um, he looked Good during prospect. He's looked okay in some of the scrimmages, but he's not stood out as much as you would hope as well as being well-rounded. He has stood out decently well offensively. And there are times when the puck is like, you know, a dog on a leash for him and it's beautiful to watch. But the other times you're like, I don't know if he's ready for the speed and that he just might need, like, even though I think he's better than juniors, it might just be better to wait than put him in a situation where he's going to be playing a little ahead of the curve and on a bad team. Like, I don't necessarily want him. I'd rather him be playing in a league that he's just going to fucking dominate than in a league with a team that he can't get the ideal support that he should, you know, like that's the difference. Eric, what about you? So did either one of you read the Lazarus article? I think it came out yesterday where he was kind of preaching to the Blackhawks that they should just, and this to me ties into Korshinsky, but he's basically saying like, let the kids be up this year and just let them go nuts. Like let them make all the mistakes, let them go crazy, let them play all over the place. And like, don't system coach them, let them do the things that they're really good at and like learn how to be that type of NHL player. So to me, that's ultimately what it comes down to with Korshinsky is I I could, as much as I would like to see him up and see him up for the year, there's a part of me that absolutely agrees with Betsy. If that means that you're going to let Vlasic or you're going to let Phillips or somebody else is going to take that spot and it's not a bunch of Zaitsev, um, so that you can see what you have in one of those players while Korczynski goes back and then comes in and next year it's a sure thing no matter what. Like There's no way he's not on the team. So I could absolutely see it in that regard. But if you're going to sit here and say like, Hey, we're going to live with all the defensive miscues. We're going to live with all the times he's going to get lost or he's going to get overpowered or, you know, he's going to be a step too slow in reading the way that the play develops because of all the offensive gifts that he has. And we think like, that's the best way for him to learn as long as he's playing and he's playing, you know, 60, 65 games, 15 to 16 minutes a night, then, you know, then leave him up. But if that's not going to be the case, then send him back down and let him come back next year. I think that philosophy works really well for forwards. And I think it works for older defensemen. I do not think it works. I don't know if it will work for really young defensemen. 
Um, Cause in that, uh, uh, that article, you know, he, he specifically was talking about, Hey, you know, they pretty much said Taves and Kane go wild with sharp. We'll worry about system later, which that's totally, that's exactly it. But on the defensive side of things, Keith and Seabrook had, you know, or Keith spent a ton of time in the HL and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like he was without like a bigger foundation foundation, you know, Korchinski is about to turn like he's a baby. Um, and yes. I know Connor Bedard is a baby too, but like Connor Bedard is like a suit, like he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the rest of the kids are young. Uh, Kaiser is 21, Vlasic and Phillips are both. Phillips is actually almost a year older than Kaiser. Um, he just turned, he's turning 22, right? In October, I want to say. Um, but Vlasic's older, like, I could totally, I totally agree that I would fucking love that. Just let those kids. I don't know if Korchinski would. Isaac Phillips turned twenty two on the twenty eighth, so okay. three uh, three days ago. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I knew it was coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would put like Gutman in that and Kurashev in that too. I would be like, just let them go. They all have like a better foundation of where they are. So like, let them figure out who they are. I don't think Korchinski has enough of a foundation yet, but also. I am having PTSD. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And that's fair. Forsling, uh, yeah. both those kids, especially Forsling, uh, should, like neither one of them should have played when they did. And it was because Q liked them and Q was like, oh, they should play. Um, and then they did what Eric said that they shouldn't do, which is they controlled them a little too much. They did not let them run wild. And then that like stifled them. So yeah, if, I, I go back and forth. I, I just I still think he would be better suited in juniors. I think he's better than juniors, but I just would prefer him. They don't have to rush it. <laughs> I think I think a lot of my my desire to see Korchinski at the NHL level is for selfish reasons of my own entertainment because I think it'd be fun to watch. But like, if they did send him back to the juniors, I think like again, if as long as it was accurately communicated to him why he was going back to juniors. And that, you know, uh, for whatever the reason is, as long as they tell him that and he understands it and he still goes back and tortures the WHL uh, even more than he did last season. And then that goes to the, you know, plays in the World Juniors for Canada and destroys that tournament like it, I, that. I, I don't want to necessarily I don't want to just say that he has to be with the Blackhawks and that's the right way, because I don't think there necessarily is a right way uh a right or wrong way. I think either way there's, there's perfectly valid reasons to do either, either way. It's just, as long as it is done, the more it's more about the execution than the idea. As long as it is executed, I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as it, whichever results in the better long-term product is great. It's just, again, a little bit of selfish reasons. I think it'd be more fun to watch Korchinski on the Blackhawks next season than in Seattle. I I can concede that point. Absolutely. But at the same time, like it does him absolutely no harm to go back to the WHL, you know, one more time. We've seen guys get messed up by, you know, being so far behind the curve and being underwater. And, you know, like I'm thinking of Boquist. Absolutely. Like they, Mm. they rushed him all the way. And like everything that made him the player that they got, all the confidence, all the swagger, all the offensive stuff, like we never saw any of that. Yeah. And it was because he was overmatched. And that's, Totally agreeing with Betsy. Like Korchinski has looked overmatched at times, like without a doubt. So maybe it's not the worst thing to send him back for one more year. Yeah. 
it's that that's going to be I think for me that'll be the most interesting part of the first month of the season is what happens with him because I it does feel like at a minimum he will break camp with the team and play the first handful of games and then when they get to the nine game mark whenever that is um like I think the ninth game of the season I want to say it's October 30th against the Coyotes but it's the the ninth game that he plays in um is the is the breaking or the make or break point so so we'll see Um, I will say I'm more confident in Davidson and Richardson making those decisions right now than I was in Bowman because I feel like Bowman kept up players like I don't think Doc should have made the team when he did for Kirby Doc um and I think he he pushed for him to make the team for the sake of like oh the our top three P- rounders for PR <laughs> yeah and yeah. I felt like Boquist was a little bit like that though Q had a lot of positive things to say about Boquist originally too um but I, I feel like uh, some of the rushing there's there's a whole there's a reason there's a whole thing about Blackhawks haven't developed a first round player since like forever, yeah. <laughs> you know, like and since, that they they've yeah. they've drafted plenty of good ones. They've gone on to be NHL players, not necessarily stars, but they've gone on to be decent NHL players. They have not had one impact the team, and Tira Vinen only did it for like eight seconds now it helped win a cup but this yeah. was eight seconds <laughs> you you were hoping for a little bit of a longer run in chicago for for yes. him absolutely and and like i think nick schmaltz would be in that category too that he mm-hmm. he's had a pretty good career in arizona unfortunately that's that's uh the most one of the more anonymous nhl careers but he's he's had some decent seasons out there so uh, Hartman too yeah i tossed yeah. Hartman up there yeah, yeah absolutely right yeah right Hartman had like a career year with minnesota so uh, yeah, he's in, really yogi haru has a decent He's doing decently in Buffalo, but nobody cares about Buffalo. <laughs> well, you know, well like, yeah, well, may, may, if they if they take another step forward this season, maybe that'll finally change. But well, I I've will. Boquist had a decent season last year too. Like, okay. he just he's not playing top pair; he's playing bottom. Yeah, minute, and just is, and, and and none of these guys are in Chicago, and so and that's that's the overarching point yes. here. Is so yeah. so we'll we'll see what they do. It's it's uh, uh it's going to be. I said I think that'll be the most interesting thing to watch over the rest of October. Um, one thing we do, I wanted to mention really quickly. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many people saw it because you couldn't, you could, I think it was available on ESPN plus the Saturday night game, uh, in Minnesota against the wild that, uh, Samuel Savoy went really, really awkwardly into the boards and it was, uh, j- just a really bad injury. Uh, obviously immediately an issue. He got stretchered off and the Blackhawks released a report, uh, from the, Dr. Michael Terry that I am efforting as I am talking about this, uh, just that he, he had a lower body injury and he had surgery on it later. And I'm, that's what the update I'm trying to find here. And I finally have it. They just said a uh, successful surgery on his right femur and we expect him to make a full recovery. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to guess he broke it <laughs> just judging from what, what happened there. Uh, a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when you break your femur, they have to go in, um, there's so many like one blood vessels down there, like and your artery and all this other stuff. But just yeah. to line it back up and pin it because it's yeah. such a bone, they don't usually leave it just up for a cast. They're yeah, like put shit I, in there. I I was like when I saw the video of what happened, like my initial thought was like ligaments and other things were going to be gone. So, um, like like that injury is not good by any means, but it, it almost seems like it might, it could have even been worse. So hopefully, you know, he's young, hopefully the, the bone heals and he's in, and he makes that full recovery. Cause he does seem like he could be a piece down the road, a, a very good 
uh, bottom six guy for the team. So hopefully that all goes well for him for the long-term prospects of everything with the team. Um, There's a, there's some more preseason games this week. Uh, I I don't know. Were there any other thoughts? Like there's not a ton of, not a ton of stuff has happened. Uh, It's been a pretty uneventful preseason so far, I think. And uh, which is probably for the best because usually it feels like if things happen in the preseason, they're never good. And then, uh, you know, we get a, a nightly Connor Bedard did something cool update. Uh, but any other thoughts, Betsy? No, not for the preseason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's about enough for the preseason. Eric, what about you? Uh, I know they just sent him down to Rockford, but Marcel Marcel looks like a dude. He looks yeah. like he can he can absolutely play, and he's bigger and he has some skill. So uh, that's a guy that I'll be kind of I'll be I'll definitely be paying attention to him this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets called up maybe at some point down the road. Um, but yeah, from what we saw of him in the game the other night, and what I've seen in scrimmages and practices and stuff, like he looks like he's really good. He yeah. was the one I was thinking of that was his, his birthday's coming up in October. It's on Halloween. He turns twenty, so he's a little bit old because he was an over uh, overager when they drafted him. Yeah, he's huge as well. <laughs> like he's another one of the really big bodies. Yeah, he's that like isn't he like team. almost two fifty or something like that? Like he's a he he should be a football player. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe Richardson called him Big Marcel. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> Richardson's not exactly a small man himself either. So yeah. All right. Well, there's a. Uh, you know, there's, there's all our preseason thoughts. I guess we're, uh, I'm, I'm pulling up his, his height and weight. He does, Betsy's correct. He turns 20 on Halloween and hockey reference has him at six foot four, 242 pounds. Right. Yeah. That's, I was like, I know he's near 250. I was like, I remember somebody being like, that's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, a big <laughs> so looking at the rest of the week, we've got uh, Hawks Red Wings at the United center on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, the Wild are in town for another preseason game. And then Saturday night, it is in St. Louis for the preseason finale. And then next Tuesday, Hawks-Penguins to open the 2023-2024 regular season. It's nine days away, eight days at least as you're listening to this. So uh, it's it's snuck upon us, but the, the hockey season's uh, pretty much here. And we'll have plenty more to discuss when we get there. Uh, but I think... That's about all the hockey conversation we want to get to this evening. So before we adjourn here, uh, Eric, I believe you had some food thoughts for us to, uh, to wrap this all up. Uh, we were talking in the Slack before we came on. Um, there's been a terrible cold that's been ripping through my household all weekend. So everybody's not feeling well. So we're talking about, you know, as far as food takes go, what are the things that you eat when you're sick? What are your go-tos? So I, I think it, it depends on the type of sickness, but yeah. when I have a sore throat, there is nothing better than like a borderline boiling a cup of coffee. Just the, I mean, any hot drink in particular, but coffee, if you make a really good coffee for yourself and make sure it's extra hot, the way that soothes the sore throat, that is my absolute go-to when I have a, when I have, when I'm dealing with that, that's my first thought. If you're stuffed up, the best thing for you to eat is spicy foods. Um, so if you can get like a spicy soup of some sort, it's always good. But like curry is actually Ooh. a really good thing to eat when you're like stuffed up. And it, it doesn't help. It, I mean, it hurt, doesn't hurt your throat when it's spicy. It'll give like it's a little tingly. Um, and I always mispronounce it. But uh, what is the spice? Cap- oh, my God. Capsaicin. Am I saying it right? Capsaicin. I, I don't I'm not even sure what the word you're Yeah, I don't know. P A P S A I C I N E. No, no E. 
just kept saying, hold on, hold on, make Google make it say it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I know what this spice is. So. Capsaicin. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Google. <laughs> anyway, it's in, it's in lots of stuff. Um, it's uh, ironically, it's something that birds can't taste. Um, but anyway, that's a weird fact to know. Okay. Uh, well, but it's a new day. All right. It's one of those spices that can like really dislodge bullshit. It's in a lot of Caribbean foods and a lot of it's in like Creole sauce, lots of seasonings for that. So recommend it. Um, if you're ever stuffed up, just eat something that has that's spicy. I like curries because uh, if you get like a good rice curry, rice is soft enough that it's not going to hurt you. Eric, did you have any go to since the, the cold was going through your house? I imagine you had some uh, some recent examples for us. Well, I think my my for sore throats when we were kids, my mom always gave us and it sounds disgusting and it is pretty disgusting. But uh, honey with onion in it. Oh, and it, oh that makes well, sense. Yeah, yeah no, but it, it doesn't it, it sound helps. good, though. <laughs> it is. It is not. It is not good, but it helps. Um, but no, it's always for me. It's always a sleeve of saltines and uh, some Sprite. That's it. That's like. The Price is Right special when you're a kid and you stay home. <laughs> yes. You put on Price is Right and then, yeah, saltines and some Sprite. Also, I don't know if this was uh, medically recommended, but something about lemon-lime Gatorade. Whenever I was sick, it was never any other flavor. It was lemon-lime Gatorade. And, and it See, had to be – So that's – that's, really, yeah, that's lemon-lime. They're hanging out there next to each yeah, other. Yeah, so right. It has exactly. to be something there. Yeah, I think we were more of a 7-Up family than a Sprite one, but, I mean, same same idea, different brand. So – I was like, whenever – what did I drink when I was sick? Um, if, you're, if your stomach is upset, anything bubbly helps. Everybody goes to ginger ale because ginger also helps with relieving nausea. And stuff like that. Um, the reason onions work is the same way garlic works. If you if you um, you can eat you can eat garlicky food. Also, is really good for when you're not feeling well. Uh, it's got a lot of antioxidants in it. Um, I want to say it does something the white like that helps with white uh, blood cell count too. Um, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah, Ginger, yeah do, do your own research on that one, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Ginger is for a lot of really good stuff. Um, I can't drink. I, I I always was told you're not supposed to drink coffee when you're sick because caffeine's not super great. Like it, mm. the stimulation of it's not super good. But Linda, you should go with uh, non-caffeinated teas. Yeah, tea 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 would work as well. Like same idea, good hot any sort of hot beverage. But for me, it always seemed to be coffee is where I what I would default to just because that was uh, something. The it, it's like. Because sometimes when, if you get a bad enough sore throat, you can barely taste anyway. But something about the extra hot coffee, it seemed like that I, I would still get the taste out of it while also relieving the pain of the sore throat. So there you go. Hot you coffee. Can, <laughs> the teas are good because, again, a, a lot of times they have antioxidants that can help with like bacteria and viruses and stuff like that, too. That's, that, that's probably the better. Uh, huh? You don't want a hot toddy? Get yourself some. Uh, well, <laughs> no, well, that that depends on how quickly I want to fall asleep. <laughs> then I'll have yeah. several. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I go ahead, Eric. I didn't mean to cut. No, I was going to make some dumb joke, and I already forgot what it was, so it doesn't get bad. Okay, that's for the best then. All right. Well, then uh, I think as far as this episode goes, I think that's going to do it 
for this edition of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to Betsy and Eric for hanging out this evening. And uh, I think the next episode we're going to do will be our big season preview and looking ahead to whatever it is is going to happen. And uh, we'll probably touch on any any major events that happen during these last handful of preseason games, although I imagine – I imagine there's probably not going to be too much going on except for whatever really cool shit Connor Bedard does in some of those games. So uh, keep an eye on the website. Uh, follow us on all the socials and all that. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk to you next uh, sometime in the next week for our big season preview. And uh, we'll talk to you then.